The Joy Unleashed show empowers and inspires women to reclaim their joy. We provide tools, resources, and connections to help you unlock your true potential through engaging conversations, expert insights, and transformative stories. We create a vibrant and inclusive community where women can break free from the limitations that hold them back. I'm joyologist Colleen Greco, and it is my honor to be your host. Let's get right into the show. If you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like you don't quite know your purpose, or maybe you know it, but you just can't find the path toward it. If you're uncomfortable in your own skin and want to finally master self-love, then we need to talk. I'm Colleen Greco, and I'm your joyologist. I help women just like you to reclaim the joy they feel is missing in their life through mindset coaching and nutrition coaching. Whether you have weight to lose or simply need to get your gut in check, I've got you. We'll work together to retire limiting beliefs. Those are the stories that are keeping you from your purpose. I need you to hear me. Those are the stories that we need to get rid of in order to get you on your path to your purpose. We will work together to get you that life you've always dreamed of. It would be my honor to connect with you. Reach out to me via Instagram at the Colleen Greco or email Colleen at ColleenGreco.com. Let's get you back to the show. Welcome back to the Joy Unleashed show. I am your humble host, Colleen Greco and resident joyologist. And today I have with me Carmen Leal, and I can't wait for you to meet her. Welcome to the show, Carmen. Thank you for having me. I love your smile. And I love that you call yourself a joyologist. I love it. When you say I love your smile, like it just gets bigger. Like well, I, I do. You have a great <laughs> smile. So thanks for using it. Thank you. <clears throat> so, oh, geez. Like now my cheeks hurt. Um, <laughs> so a little softball for you. Why don't you give us uh, a little uh, introduction as to who you are and why we're talking today? I will. My name is Carmen Leal, and I currently live in, but I'm not from, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And one of the reasons I radiated with your call for stories is joy is a choice. Happiness is based on circumstances. But circumstances are like a moving target. When we moved here from Oshkosh, we moved from Hawaii. Uh, So I've had six years of being very intentional Working really hard at finding joy in situations that I honestly didn't want to be in. So we moved here after a terrible car wreck. Um, We were sitting at a stoplight on our way home from the beach, as cliche as that sounds. A giant SUV slammed into us. We hit another SUV, two more cars, you know, news at 10, five car pileup. And I suffered a uh, traumatic brain injury and concussion. It was far worse than I thought, became highly suicidal. And I was one of those always happy people. I mean, people thought I was faking it because I was always happy and always finding joy. And that just sucked everything out of me. I've had a headache since June of 2015. Now, it's not as bad. It was a level 10. Now it's, you know, four or five, unless something goes real wonky. Like barometric pressure, I found out is not good for headaches. Ah! 
<laughs> You're well, like, hold on, I know it, it's going to rain. <laughs> right, but I never had that in Hawaii, right? I mean, mm. the weather was just pretty land of 70s, and I didn't have to worry. And all of a sudden, I come someplace um, that really does affect my moods that I never had before. And right. so um, I'm here. I did not kill myself as I wanted to. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about my story on finding joy through my rescue button. So that's a little bit about me, how I got here, and what I do is I'm an author and I'm a speaker, and I love sharing about joy because, as I mentioned, it's really easy to think you have joy when you're happy, but happiness is a moving target. It'll change just like that, and usually, you know, often it changes from something you did not do. So right. when we look at those external factors it's the internal that we've got to hold on to when it comes to choosing joy. Now, you are being a little generous with your story in that you had some troubling times before that. You, oh, gosh, yes. You were the caretaker for your uh, husband and all of these. Yeah, I, I've, had a, I've had a lot. You know, when people say, tell me, and I go, well, it's a big story. It's a big story. Big story. I grew up in. So a you've family. had to find joy. My point is, you've had over to find joy and over and oh, over. Oh. And you would think I'd be better at this lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I grew up in a family of eight kids. We were very poor in a um, two-bedroom house, and Ooh. my parents got divorced when I was nine. I did not know it at the time, but my dad was bipolar. So when he was good, he was very, very good, and when he was not, he was not. And I didn't think I was abused and beat. I just probably thought I was mouthy and deserved it. Um, but I moved on and joined the Peace Corps, met my first husband from Chicago. Turned out he was an alcoholic. Funny thing, when you live in, in, in a Muslim country where you can't get booze, you don't know your partner is alcoholic till you get back. But I became a single mom and went through that less than joyful time. And then I remarried and everything was going to be great, but it wasn't. And on his, on our third wedding anniversary, he came home diagnosed with a terminal brain disease called Huntington's, which is like having Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, MS, and paranoid schizophrenia all at once. Mm. It is genetic. It is incurable. Uh, sadly, his kids have it now. Um, my kids were from a different father, so I didn't worry about that. But I did become his caregiver, something that was not in the cards for me. I hated doing it. I, it's ironic because now I give workshops on um, how to be a joyful caregiver. But <laughs> those were really hard lessons learned. And it was really tough because we had no insurance. Being joyful and choosing intentional joy is a lot easier when you don't have to stand in line at a food bank to feed your kids. Right. Or when you don't have to go bag lens crafters to give your um, your kid glasses because you can't afford to do it yourself. So I ended up going bankrupt. I lost my home. I had to divorce him so I could get Medicaid. I lost everything saying, I will take care of this man. And I don't regret it because those are vows that you take when mm -hmm. you say, I'll do it. Mine were a little bit unorthodox because the divorce meant that was I really say, doing what I said I did? And I say yes, because I became his legal guardian. And I still took care of him. It just looked different. Um, 
So I gave and up an awful still lot. Found joy. What'd you say? And yet you still found joy. I did. And you know, the way I found joy during that situation was by writing the book I wish I would have found when we got our diagnosis. I wasn't a writer, never thought about it. I had owned a marketing firm, so I was pretty good with words, but I didn't know about book writing. But I realized there had not been a book written by a lay person about this disease that really looked at you have the disease, you're at risk for the disease, you're a caregiver. So I just went out and interviewed people and I told their stories and it was a book called Faces of Huntington's and it allowed me to, to know that my gifts were not in vain. And I started a support group and I traveled all over the world and I found joy in, in helping other. And, and interesting enough, I, I was asked to write a, a story on grief by Decision Magazine. That was Billy Graham's magazine many, many years ago. And it was 300 whole words. I mean, how do you say grief in 300 words? And so I chose to write that story that I found joy in the midst of caregiving by reaching out and helping others. Mm-hmm. You never know where your stories are going to go. And I was sitting years later getting a mammogram, something we all know is so joyful. And there was a woman there who looked anything but joyful. And she was sniffling and crying and very embarrassed. And I asked her, could I help? And she said, no. So she picked up this magazine because, you know, magazines and waiting rooms and medical facilities are just ancient. Mm -hmm. And and so she's flipping through it and she's crying and crying. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so awkward. And then she said, oh, I'm so sorry, but I had cancer and it was in remission. And now they found a lump and I can't do this again. I just can't do this again. And she's crying and and I'm helpless. I don't know what to do. And then she said, but I'm looking at this magazine and there was this woman and her husband, they'd only been married for three years and he got this terrible disease and it was just awful and there's no cure. And what she did is she started a support group and she wrote a book and she helped so many people. And you know what? Her life was so much worse than mine. And it's my story. Oh, wow. And she said, and you know what? If she could do that, knowing that her husband was going to die and she's raising kids. I can do this. I know I can do this. And they called her name and off she went. And you never told her it was you? I never told her. And I so that is That is it right there. That right. is the, the meaning of life right there right. is to give somebody help unsolicited and then not wait for the credit. That to me is the way, that is the meaning of life. If if I can do that every single day, I will die a really happy woman. And that, and it happens a lot to me, but yeah, I wanted to run after her. Wait, 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 it's me, it's me. (laughs) But of course you don't do that. And I, that brought me, and then whenever I tell this story, I tell it at writers conferences, because I had made that connection at a conference. I tell that when I, when I teach you're not doing it for what you're going to get. You're doing it for what you're going to give. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, you have to be joyful. Yeah. I don't know her story. I don't know if she was able to get, oh, yeah, it's just fatty tissue. I don't know 
if it really was cancer. I don't know if she's still alive, but I can guarantee you she told that story over and over and over. I tell people all the time, we all have a, a limited number of days left. Yep. It could be three, it could be 3,000, it could be 30,000. I'd have to do that math to see if that's scientifically possible for me anymore, but you get my point. You get my point. You have days left. And so, yeah, you don't know what her story turned out to be. Something terrible could have happened days later, but yet in that moment, your story changed her path for however long she had it. Right. And that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. I like to refer to it as joy in the smallest of moments. When, especially when you're in the middle of like a trauma or a tragedy or what have you, you know, your life works in seconds. You're just trying to get to the next second, not even the next minute. That's too <laughs> far away. Yep. Hours, days, weeks. You're like, I don't even know. Weeks is like, you, you, you can't think that far ahead. But when you're in the thick of it, you have those seconds and you're just hanging on to the next second. And when you get a story like yours or, or, you know, some of the other ones I've, I've shared on this show, like that is the the connection that takes you to that next second. And then your job is done. And then somebody else will take her to the next second until she's strong enough to take herself. I yep. love it. Bravo. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I understand you have a little something you want to show. I do. And as you were speaking, you know, we all are storytellers. Our lives are stories. Whether or not you're like me, an author who actually pens those stories, puts them in between a book cover, makes our living doing that, or we're up on a platform sharing. You know, we tend to think that those are more important stories you know, or we are see a movie, we see a television, but no, everybody has their own story. And so I went to a writer's conference. It was the West Coast Christian Writers Conference in um, Sacramento earlier this year. And they gave every conferee a gift. It was so much better than a canvas bag. You know, when you go to these conferences, oh, and yeah. you get a bag and you're like, okay, cool. And then they sit in your suitcase <clears throat> and you don't move them. And then yep. next year, you unpack and you go, oh, yeah, there's a bag full of stuff I never used. Instead, they gave me something I felt so great. And I'm going to pull back so your, your viewers can see it all. But what it says is write with joy. So we yes. are called to write our stories with joy. Look at that. Isn't yes. that amazing? And it's so it's a pillow. I love it. And so I'll be stuffing this. And I was sharing with you earlier, I went out, they gave me that one, but they had extras and I bought one and I bought it for my five-year-old grandson. He's in school for the first time. He loves art, but he's learning how to write his story, not just write J's and eights and U's and whatever, but what is his story going to be for the rest of his life? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important that we be very intentional on helping others write their stories. So for Christmas, he's getting a pillow, he's getting that, and he's getting those markers. So he can color in the lines and write his story. How cool is that? I love that. I, you know, I, I think, you know, I do nutrition coaching and mindset coaching as part of my day job. And, uh, and I get to do that, which I am so grateful for. What I tell 
clients is you have to celebrate the lows as well as the highs, right? So, you know, on the nutrition coaching side, yay, I lost three pounds or whatever. But you have to celebrate the lows too, because that's where the lessons are. And that's where your opportunity for transformation is. And so, you know, when you're talking about writing your stories and celebrating them and writing them with joy, while you did go through, I'd say more than several <laughs> life, <laughs> life changing situations, they brought you to who you are today. If you didn't have those situations, you wouldn't be where you are. You'd be somewhere else. Maybe you wouldn't have books. Maybe you would have never met your second husband. I, who, who knows what your scenario would have been, but it wouldn't be this. And this is, is real life. This is your story, the way you've lived it. And yes, it should be written in joy because you've made it through, one of my favorite quotes is you've made it through 100% of your, of your bad days. Mm -hmm. But here's the so really other thing that I love about being so intentional is your joy story helps other people get joy. Your yes. low points as well. So as I was telling to your audience, you know, my doctor back home when I was so suicidal, which was, I don't know if anybody's dealt with chronic headaches, intractable headaches, but it, it is not for whips. And he said, you know, you should get a dog. I go, I don't do dogs. I don't do dogs. I didn't hate dogs. I just didn't do dogs. And he kept saying, it's going to make a difference. I moved all the way here. Never moved to Wisconsin in March. You will not be happy. It was a really bad time to move here. It was so gloomy and, and things. Big like, love to Wisconsin. Just maybe there are warmer months. I'm just saying not March. <laughs> not, not during the gloom time. And I didn't know anybody. Yes, I had a son here, which is why we chose this town. But, you know, your kids are busy. They have life. They work. And I didn't know anybody. We didn't do any research. We're in this old house built in 1875. Um, we only had one car. Still do. And things got really bad. And so I was going to name, I decided to get a dog. It wasn't going to work. I was going to name the dog Xanax. Like all the drugs I threw away that didn't work. Even I decided that was a really bad name. So I didn't do that. And we went in and we adopted a dog that day. And that was a dog that truly did save my life. But let me tell you where it went. I think we find joy in having a purpose. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a purpose in my life. I went from being the person that was the encourager, the speaker, the writer, the, the top volunteer, the trainer. I, I had lots of purpose. And I got there, I had no purpose at all. And I thought this headache or no, you can't not have a purpose. So I went back to the rescue and I said, you, you guys are really good with dogs, but you're really bad at what you do. I mean, animal wellness people in general or people with a passion, they're good about their passion, but not necessarily about writing, about marketing, about, you know, websites, about um, grant writing, fundraising. I was really good at all those. And I said, how about I volunteer? He was so used to people offering that don't do it. that he said, sure, why don't you go on our website? and grab a few bios of these dogs and spiff them up. And I did it. And he said, oh, wow, you did it. <laughs> and these are really good. 
So I started being the bio lady. Then I did events. Then I did grants. Then I rebranded them. And I took this on as a purpose. I probably financially should not have done that. Would have been <laughs> smarter to get a job. So I'm not struggling now, but I did it. And in the four years, I helped them before COVID finally closed the doors. This person who doesn't do dogs, this person whose story had so many lows, this person who did not want to be in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, or anywhere besides sunny Hawaii, this person wrote and helped home over 6,500 dogs. Wow. So the low of my life saw me being pivotal in rescuing dogs, I'm not a dog person, and helping. And so when I do these podcasts, people will say, oh, you were an animal hater and now you're an activist. I wasn't a hater, okay? I just didn't want one. And I'm not an activist. I'm my dog's activist, but I'm not a real big dog person still. But what I am and what I do is for people like me. I don't rescue dogs to rescue dogs. I rescue dogs or I help rescue dogs or raise money for people like me, people who were suicidal, people who are autistic, shut-in seniors, veterans, people with mental illness. So many people can benefit from the love of a dog. But if we as a nation and a world continue to murder dogs because they're inconvenient, because we didn't spay and neuter, because we didn't need a microchip, because we just don't care, when it comes time for me or someone like me to get a dog, we won't be able to afford it because we'll have to go to a breeder. Yep. Why would you make a dog when you can recycle a dog? Which is what I do. So many dogs out there that, that there are so many have love to give, and so many people that need the love. Right. It's just a, it's the perfect union. It Congratulations is. on sixty five hundred. Yeah. Not only that though. The lives you impacted is it's a It's not even the dogs. Path. And that's what I say to people. I, unlike most animal wellness people, I don't rescue for the sake of the dog. The dogs benefit. I rescue for the sake of people like me. Broken, hurting people who have lost their joy. Mm-hmm. But that dog, and I went in kicking and screaming, let me tell you. But that dog can change everything. Yes. But not if they don't exist. Because if I had to go out and buy a dog through a breeder, first of all, I'd have to put my name on a list. It might take six, nine, 12 months. I might have to spend three to $5,000. Then I have to pay for the spay neuter and all the shots. I was in such a fragile condition. If I would have had to have waited nine months to get a dog, I'd be dead. I, I would have been dead. And I don't, I'm not overselling that statement. So yeah. I got the dog I needed when I got what I needed it because of a rescue. That's and that is amazing. Why. We have we have two dogs. I am deathly allergic to dogs. So I did have to go through a breeder to make sure that I could live with these dogs. Um, and they are Australian Labradoodles. They're hypoallergenic, uh, mostly. And one wasn't enough. Once we had one, <laughs> I was like, he needs a friend. Come to find out we get the second one. And the first one's like, I didn't need this. I didn't ask for this. I don't, 
Now they're the best of friends though. And they're just such a joy to watch. You know, there are so many times where I go to walk them and just be annoyed because, you know, we can't even walk a mile in an hour. There is no breaking a sweat on this walk. This is a very slow, sniffy, stare off into the distance kind of walk. But you can change your perspective and say, I can either sit there and complain about, you know, I'm cold or I'm bored or I don't feel like doing this right now. Or you can live like the dog and focus on all the fun that they're focused on. And it's like this, um, this amazing, you know, like central nervous system reset that I go through yep. that just puts me right back on track every single time. They're amazing. It does. It, it, it absolutely does. And I'm writing, um, I have a series of books. It's called the Wagaway Tales, T-A-L-E-S. So the first one's called I Love, I Chose You, Imperfectly Perfect oh, Rescue. I have that one. There we go. Humans. Mm-hmm. And then the one I'm writing now is called When Love Wags a Tail. And that'll oh. be out early next year. And one of the stories I'm writing, so I just love your example, is called Doddle and Sniff. And it's all about that. I had thoughts, I'm going to get a dog. I'm going to walk five miles a day. I'm going to get, I'm going to, you know, break a sweat. My heart rate, no. Yeah, no, no. just no. And it's the same thing you're talking about, is we let our dogs dawdle and sniff. And as we are let our, our dogs do that, we're doing the human version of it. And so mm-hmm. I, it's funny you mentioned it because I wrote that last week. <laughs> it's it's so true though. And those are the things that we really need. We are in an overscheduled, beyond stressed out society that doesn't know how to take a break anymore. And so these dogs are really our saviors in so many ways. I'll take, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, which is all they really want, <clears throat> play with them bring them out for a walk, do whatever. And then I come back to my desk and I'm ready to be productive. Yeah, That's because I took my brain away from everything else right. I was doing. And, and I do I, want your audience to know, I am not anti-breeding at all. There is nothing wrong no. in your situation. And even if it's not a health issue, just, just because you like that, the, the, the characteristics of that breed, there's not a problem. Right. But most people don't have the financial wherewithal to go out and buy a dog, nor do they need to. They just need joy. I love it. Um, so let me ask you, since I didn't come out and ask this, but I think you've pretty much touched on it. This is one of my favorite questions. How do you define joy? I define joy. That's a very good question. I don't know that I've ever really thought of it that specific. I define joy as something that elevates myself and others around me. Mm-hmm. When I was a little girl, I can always remember this. My mother would say, always be your best selves and help others to be their best selves. That was our mission. And it's interesting with eight kids, you know, my mother must have been very desperate to get out of this marriage. And now I know why, given my father's mental health, but to be a single mom in the sixties, minority divorced as a Catholic. Oh, wow. I know. (laughs) Right? 
I can't think that, of any more uh, like I mean, strikes, so to speak. Right, right. <laughs> and yet, you know, statistically, a certain number of us should have been to prison. A certain should be dead. Yep. A certain should be on drugs. I don't go back to my hometown because my neighbors are all in prison or they did. I mean, it was just that environment. And yet, I think my mother's saying, be the best you you can be. Mm-hmm. And then help other be their best selves without using the word joy. That's what she did. Yeah. And she oh, has absolutely. eight children. Everybody went to college. Everybody's a homeowner. Everybody is doing something in life to elevate others. How cool is that? I love that. I, right. A lot of times I'll say that to my kids. If you know, if you can't be kind, be quiet. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't, don't contribute to the thing. Just just hold it in. Well, and then my mother said it in a different way, which I just love. God don't like ugly. God don't like ugly? God don't like ugly. That's how she would say it. <laughs> and that's really what you're saying. <laughs> True. That's really what you're saying is yeah. you can't be kind, be quiet. Yeah. And kind in your actions, kind in your words, kind in your thoughts. God don't mm-hmm. like ugly. And ugly and joy yes you can have been as i have been in an ugly situation and it happens with all of us my ugly just happens to be a little bit bigger and more out there and i don't know why now i say it's because god already knew i was going to be a writer and nothing bad happens to writers it is just fodder okay nothing bad happens but but i'd say because he knew you could handle it yes yes and I, I agree, but he knew, you know, when, when he was allowing these things to happen, because he doesn't make them happen, when he mm-hmm. was allowing it, he was also at the same time gifting me and growing those gifts, mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to, yes, you must have, you know, you were a real smart mouth in school, but I'm going to take that gift to gab. We're going to do it a different way. Yes, you love being in theater. You were an actress. You were the star of the show. We're going to take that. We're going to put you on a platform. We're going to grow that compassion in you that you need. We're going to, whatever the gifts that I needed, to be able to go through those ugly situations, not just to survive, but to thrive and to reach others to help them find joy in their situations. Beautiful. And not every situation, I mean, like you say, you know, life in the, in the seconds, in the moments. Um, it's amazing the things that we stress about and that we allow to rob our joy. And they're not even the big things. Oh, no. They're not even the big things. <laughs> that's amazing. I feel um, like the big things people say, well, that's just what's going on right now. Like they just, it's almost easier to accept when it's bigger. I know. Um, Question for you. This is my other favorite question that I ask people. Um, I recently uh, launched a journal and I have to, of course, show the link or I wouldn't be me. But it's called The Daily Dose of Joy. And it's a journal. And in every every other page, there's like a little prompt that gets people just thinking about maybe what joy could mean to them. And journaling is one of the few things I do every single day to kind of keep myself firmly rooted and grounded in joy. And I'm hoping you can share if you have one, two, three things that you do that make you feel the same, because I know our audience 
might be looking for suggestions. And so I love to just collect them as people come on the show. Another great question. When we moved all that way, I couldn't bring very many books. I got rid of over 500 books. And I said, I will never buy books again. I use my library. But one thing that made it, and I don't know why, are all of these journals. People think when you're a writer, oh, perfect gift. No, I don't journal. <laughs> I have so many blank books. I need to start regifting, which makes people laugh when they find out I don't journal. I journal in my brain. Mm -hmm. So I'm one of these people who writes in my brain and then it's a done deal. My tip for grounding myself is at the end. Number one is I actually have hours. Yes, I work from my home. And one of the dangers is always working. Yes. Never taking time for yourself. Never setting hours and boundaries. Um, I know, Colleen, you understand what I'm saying, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> so I know what my hours are going to be. They're going to vary each day depending upon what's going on. But I do set hours. And then the last bit of my day at the computer, I write my tomorrow list. For example, I always do five marketing tasks a day. Because when you're self-employed and you create products and opportunities for yourself, nobody's a bigger cheerleader than you. Right. And a lot of people, they want to create the magic, like the book or whatever, but they hate marketing. I happen to love marketing, but it has to be very intentional. So for me, five marketing tips a day. This is one of my marketing tips for today was mm -hmm. do this podcast. It may be to find opportunities to submit a story. It might be to create a meme. It might be every single day when I create those five opportunities, what I'm really doing is giving my per myself permission to be me, to be creative, and to find joy even in the mundane. So when I wake up in the morning, I have marching orders that the best boss I know gave me. <laughs> right? I, I just I love doing that and yeah. just being very intentional. The other thing that I love is being able to say, you know what? I don't want to work today. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go do stuff with my grandkids or I'm going to do this impromptu lunch. Now, I know that your listeners and viewers can't always do that because they have jobs, because they have schedules. Um, one of the benefits of, of age is being able to be a lot more flexible if we let ourselves be, because we don't have all that, that structure. I don't know if that's what you're looking for, yeah. but setting up what my tomorrow looks like really helps me to create those boundaries, but then color within the lines. Beautiful. I love it. There's no right or wrong answer. It's whatever you do that makes you feel grounded. So, so I should get your address and send you all my journals. <laughs> Maybe I'll send you one. Here, here she is here. I always have her not too far away. Daily oh, she's so life. pretty. I know, it's, she, Oh, she's lovely. Makes me so happy. Um, Karma, this has been a real pleasure to um, have this this chunk of time to get to know you better. I'm glad yeah, to expose it. you to our viewers and, um, and share your story, which is just nothing short of remarkable. Um, well, there is another ending is I got married again. 
So <laughs> now my story, we're spanning it over many years because I'm going to be 70 next year. Yes. So we're spanning it. it over many years, but I have been married to husband number three. Um, when we, you know, discuss getting married, you know, the first time you get married, it's all about love. The second time, it's mostly about love. The third time, it's all negotiation. <laughs> you know, you so when he asked, I said, I have three conditions. Number one, I have the right to have you killed if you do anything wrong. And I define the definition of wrong. Oh, boy. This is being He's recorded. still alive. <laughs> He's still alive. Okay. I meant things like abuse, you know. <laughs> Number two, I don't I I don't clean. Cleaning doesn't bring me joy. I will cook. I might do laundry. I'll whisper this one and I will give you more sex than you ever thought possible. But I don't clean. So <laughs> That brings me great joy. I don't clean. And number three was moving back to Hawaii. So we, we negotiated. We got it through. We're going to be, uh, we were married 23 years in September. So Amazing. somehow we made it work. So despite your listeners going, my gosh, what bad luck. Her parents divorced, her first one, and then the death. You know, I would never have been able to find love again and be able to find purpose and be very intentional if I hadn't already had that foundation of joy in my life. Bravo. Because if I didn't have that foundation of joy, I would have turned into a nasty, bitter person. Because nobody can go through what I've gone through and not be nasty and bitter unless they've already had that foundation. So for your viewers, They may be going through something right now that they're saying, oh, but you don't know what I'm going through, but you don't know what I'm going through. And it's not a one-up game, okay? It's not a one-up game. But I will say, find your joy. Make that intentional. Write your story with joy. Use the bold pencils in your life because you're going to have those bad times, whether it's the death of a parent, which I've done too. I have the death of a brother. You know, we've all, we're all going to go through these. Mm-hmm. But it's that foundation of joy that my parents were able to instill in me that allowed me to not just go through what I went through, but to say, where's the aha moment in that? Right. How can I help somebody else be their best selves from sharing something that I went through that is making me my best self. Boom. You heard it here, folks. That is it. (laughs) Those are some great words, you know, to wrap with. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, Colleen, I loved it. Thank you. It's a treat. And um, I'm sure we'll be, uh, we'll have you back again soon. I would love it. Yes. This has been another episode of Joy Unleashed. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. Thank you for tuning in to Joy Unleashed. As always, it's my honor to be your host and joyologist, Colleen Greco. Follow me at the Colleen Greco on Instagram for daily motivation and inspiration. And don't forget to leave my show a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, sisters.